One of the most alarming trends we're seeing in teenagers these days is the prevalence of anxiety. If one of your kids or a teenager you know is struggling with anxiety, we are thrilled to share a brand new resource to help. The latest book from Rooted, Anxiety, Finding a Better Story. It's a 31-day devotional for teenagers written by mental health counselor and friend of Rooted, Liz Edrington. As a teenager, Liz felt overwhelmed by anxiety. Now that she's a mental health counselor, she wants to pass on what she's learned. Just understanding what anxiety is makes a big difference. But what makes an even bigger difference is understanding what God has to say about it. With daily scripture readings, breathing exercises, and additional mental health resources, this little book offers you comfort and help in your anxiety. See how your anxiety fits into the big story of your life, and of the whole universe, and learn how Jesus can bring you peace. Order your copy of Anxiety, Finding a Better Story by Liz Edrington wherever you buy books, or purchase through the link in the show notes for this episode. Welcome to the Rooted Conference Podcast. This podcast features main talks and workshops from Rooted's annual conferences. Find more information about our annual conference at rootedministry.com. This talk was recorded at the Rooted 2022 conference in Kansas City. So it's good to be here this weekend. I hope uh, you've enjoyed your time so far. If you are new to Rooted, welcome. Uh, This is a special group, I think, and I hope that you feel encouraged after this weekend. And that that's my ultimate purpose for this workshop is to encourage you. I grew up as a pastor's kid. I'm actually a fifth generation uh, pastor's wife. We just can't uh, stay away from ministry. My, uh, my sister married a JAG officer, and for the first time, we're like, yes, someone can tell us what life is like on the outside of, you know, church ministry. But then he became an elder, and she a worship leader, and it just all. Um, but I loved being a pastor's kid. I loved it. Uh, if you talk to Barnabas Piper, who's here this weekend, or read his book, he has a little bit of a different story. Um, everyone has a different story, but uh, being a pastor's kid was something that I truly enjoyed. So I'll talk a little bit about why and uh, and a little bit about my story. Um, but loving our kids well and doing ministry well has its challenges. It can feel like a balancing act, right? You feel that, I'm sure, all the time. So what I hope that uh, what I hope you walk away with is feeling, you know what, the Lord has given me what I need to do what he's called me to do. He's called you to both, and he will give you what you need to do both. There are some sad statistics. My husband knows a lot more about this. You probably do too, about kids who grow up in the church and not returning in their adulthood. Three out of 10 kids do not come back to the church. Um, one One of those kids will leave and return after having children, but pastor's kids are not exempt from these statistics. Of course, when a child rebels against the faith, the first question parents often ask is, what did I do wrong? What did I do? Did I spend too much time at church? Did I not spend enough time with my kid? Before we do anything today, I first want to lay the foundation for what holds together everything that we'll talk about, and that is this. God has written your child's story. You are not the author of your child's story. This doesn't mean that you're not actively involved in their story, but we're not the authors of them. 
It's going to sound like a tangent for just a second, so hang with me just for a few brief minutes because this is foundational to our responsibilities and to the way that we see uh, what it looks like to balance parenting and ministry. As parents, according to Scripture, our responsibility is to teach our kids the love of Jesus. You know that already. So Deuteronomy 6 says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, might, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The start of that verse is what's important. You shall love the Lord your God. So it's not a suggestion, it's a direct command. You shall love the Lord your God. So if we're going to pass on a love for Jesus to our kids, then as parents, we need to be seeking with all of us to love him with everything that we have. That's our primary responsibility. Now note that the passage is not telling us that we are responsible for putting that love for God into the hearts of our kids. It's easy to fall into that mindset that there's some right formula to follow, right? We're ministers, right? We know how to do this thing, lead people to the Lord. Surely we can make our kids love Jesus. But that truth is not in Scripture. It's also too easy to believe the lie that we can copy a, a certain set of ministry uh, parents that we think do it well. And if we just copy that, then our kids will love, in the Lord, uh, love the Lord and stay in the church. But it's not formulaic. And Satan loves to see parents distracted by this lie. The reality is this. We are all imperfect in our parenting, every single one of us, which is why Ephesians 2, 4 is so freeing, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Your child is not saved by perfect parenting. Your child will not love Jesus simply because you have figured out a good balance between ministry and parenthood. Salvation is by God's grace alone. He's not called us to save our kids, but to love Jesus for us, to love Jesus and to teach that love every opportunity that we have. And when we fail in doing this, which is going to happen all the time, you know that, I know that, his mercy and his grace are overflowing. His mercies are new every morning. Thankful for that. So with that foundation laid, I want to encourage you both by what I've learned, uh, and in many cases uh, not done well, and also what I experienced as a pastor's kid. Ultimately, I hope, though, that you are encouraged by the work that God is doing in and through you and in and through your kids even, um, he is at work as the author of their stories. Be encouraged by that. So I'm going to tell you first a little bit about my background. Then we're going to talk uh, about some distinct challenges and blessings in ministry life. And then I'll provide seven brief principles uh, to keep these two spheres from having too much tension. So first of all, just a little bit about my own background, um, my childhood as a PK. So I have two younger sisters. Um, all three of us, all three of us loved being pastor's kids. Um, I, I, as I stated, that I know that this is not the case for many, but we had a we had a good experience. Our memories are positive. Um, both my sisters are still very active in their churches. Um, my dad was not perfect. Okay. 
my dad was not perfect. It, it, it's not that I loved ministry because he just did it all really well. Um, but I do believe that he did do a lot of things very deliberately in order to make an environment of living in a ministry home a positive thing. And I'll share some of those in a few minutes. Um, I was the daughter of a senior pastor, essentially from the time I was born to the time that my dad went home to be with the Lord in 2003. My mom also was very active in the church. She led um, children's choirs and, and participated in, in other ways. So they were both very, uh, very involved in church ministry. We had church members in our home growing up. Um, as a kid, I liked this time mostly because of the food. Because when people would come over, you know, mom would put out the best sweets or whatever it was. So I remember many times coming home from a basketball game and, and people would uh, be in our house. I, I didn't I didn't mind it. I mean, sometimes I'd even sit in to, to hear some of their stories. They would often engage with me, which, you know, as a, um, a, a young person means a lot. Someone asking you questions about your life. My parents' schedules uh, were filled with church activities. Uh, they were very busy, in fact, with church activities. So most evenings, I'd say that they had a commitment related to church or congregation. These commitments meant that they were not at every single game. They were not at every single extracurricular activity that my sisters and I were involved with. But, but they made it to many and they always showed their support by talking about the event before or after. Not all the memories of uh, church growing up in the church were, were sweet. My dad planted a church when I was in sixth grade, just five miles from the uh, existing church where we were. And there, there was tension for several years. Now, they protected us from a lot of the details uh, during that time. But I remember tough conversations. I remember angry people. But I did grow to sincerely love and cherish the body of believers um, that, that came from that church that he planted. And to this day, I would call them my extended family. Um, my dad died soon after um, I finished college, but he preached the gospel until the day he died. I remember asking him at one point, he, he had to wear a, um, a massive brace because the tumors were in his spine. So in order to uh, be able to stand up to preach, this uh, brace was put on him to, to allow him to do that. And I asked him, Dad, at what point are you just going to stop preaching? And he said, Kate, I will declare the glory of God till the day he takes me home. And he did. He did. On a Friday uh, he started, actually my husband was with him, uh, going in and out of conscience, consciousness. And, and my husband said that he, he was very anxious to get to the top floor because the top floor needed Jesus. And he died two days later. What made the greatest impression on me was how much he loved Jesus. He talked about him. He talked about Jesus coming back. He talked about the new heavens and the new earth. That is what stayed with me. As a kid, I was a little bit of a troublemaker. I don't know, maybe somewhat typical of a PK. Um, as somewhere around fourth grade, I remember uh, figuring out that if I got kicked out of Sunday school for talking, no one would do anything about it, and I could just go to the playground. So I got into a nice little pattern there, right? I, I talked too much, I got kicked out of Sunday school, and I played. Uh, and no one said anything to Dad. Uh, I wasn't exactly uh, the easiest kid, but, but there's grace, right? 
Um, while I heard about Jesus from the day that I was born, I did not give my life to him fully and completely until ninth grade on a youth group retreat. I came with my doubts and my questions as a PK. I'll talk about that a little bit more. And gave my life to Jesus on, on that retreat. And then when I was 21, I married the love of my life, um, who was finishing seminary at the time, also serving in youth ministry. That brings us to our current situation. Uh, when Chris and I were first married, um, he was the uh, lead youth minister of a, a rather large youth group. Um, he's older me than me, so he had been serving in this capacity for several years. Because I was just 21, to me it seemed like, okay, youth, youth, I can do that, right? This, I, I can hang out with kids. I did not want to do adult ministry. So I asked him on a number of occasions, you're going to stay in youth ministry for a while, right? Like for a lot, this is, this is where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he stayed for one more year um, and, and then moved into adult ministry. But I loved our time serving uh, the kids together. My husband felt called to do something else. So moved um, in the same church to director of, I don't know, pastor of over discipleship. I don't even remember quite what it was. A few years later, then he took a job as a senior pastor, and that's the role that he's been serving in ever since. So we've been serving together in ministry in some capacity for uh, nearly 25 years now. We have three children. Um, Ella, my oldest, uh, is a, at Covenant College. She's a junior. Um, J-Rod, our middle, is 18. He just started his freshman year at Mizzou in Columbia. And then Lily is 14. She's our uh, freshman. She gets to hang out with mom and dad for the next four years. Uh, I asked her, actually, uh, before coming here, hey, do you like being a pastor's kid? Here's what she said. Yeah, I really like it because I like the people in our church. But I also hate that I have to be there so early every Sunday morning. Truth. I get it. We do ask a lot of our kids. We're going to be doing a podcast uh, a little bit um, related to that topic. We have, we have to acknowledge we do ask a lot of our, our pastor's kids. We tried to implement some of the things in our home that I learned growing up in a pastor's family, but I've learned something very important along the way. And that is this, you cannot make fit what does not fit for a particular family. So I like puzzles. If you do too, you know uh, what it's like when you get that one puzzle piece that you, you swear goes in this spot and you just, you know, push, but you realize, you know, it's not the right, it's not the right fit. Raising kids in ministry is a lot like that. Um, there's not, there's not one formula, as I mentioned, that is right and the right fit for every single family because every family is different. Every child is different. Every context is different. Every ministry, right, is different. So anytime you hear practical tips, like some that I'll share today, you have to sift through a little bit um, what's shared to say what works for our context and for our family and for where my kids are. And while there are differences in each family unit and in each ministry context, there are some similar challenges and there's some similar blessings that we experience. And these challenges and blessings that I'm going to talk about are distinct to ministry. So let's talk about these just for a minute. Um, first of all, the distinct challenges. There's just one that I want to highlight. There's several that we could talk about, but there's just one that I want to highlight, and that is this. Uh, all of our buckets of life are in one place as opposed to other vocations where you can spread out the various areas of life. My husband talks about this quite a bit. If you are a teacher, for example, 
or a doctor, you have maybe your friend bucket here, you have your work separate from that, you have your church separate from these things, and you kind of have different buckets where you can place things. In ministry, all of our buckets are all in one, right? Our social, our vocational, our spiritual, it's all centered in our ministry in the church. Now, it's not all negative. That is not all negative. But it does bring unique challenges that other vocations don't necessarily have. So sometimes our friendships are strangely intertwined with church matters. Other times church matters are strangely intertwined with our spirituality and so on. I know you all sense that. I see it just by everyone's head nodding. Yes. Yes, I get that. So it's just important that we're aware of that particular challenge when we think through how we balance our home life and our ministry life. What are the unique blessings being involved in ministry? There are several. I'm just going to name a few. One is flexibility. There is flexibility in ministry um, that is maybe different from a few other vocations. Every vocation has unique blessings and unique challenges. This is just one in ministry um, that I, I think we often overlook. There is flexibility. Number two, uh, there's a large support system just built in. They're congregants who want to encourage you and who want to support you who want to love on your children. I lost both my mom and my uh, dad when they were fairly young. I already mentioned my father, but the way that the congregation came around our family was just uh, it, unspeakable. It, 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 <laughs> they were our hands and feet moving us forward in both of those instances. And the, as you experience that love, that love is also poured over onto your kids. It's a beautiful thing. It's a unique blessing. Thirdly, you have the opportunity to, to show your kids the joy that comes from serving God's people. And sometimes I think we need to be refreshed and reminded of why we do what we do. Weekends like this help, but it really is a joy-filled calling. There are many more blessings to be named, and if we had more time, we could do that. But those, those are just three that come to mind. So knowing the unique blessings, knowing the unique challenges, I've put together a list of seven things that our kids need from their parents to keep ministry and home life from having too much, much tension. Now, as a side note, when we talk about that tension, it's better to think less about how I do my job effectively over here and how I parent okay over here. Instead, consider this. How do I show Jesus to my kids in the midst of my ministry? Bring the two together. The two spheres do not always have to be separate. This list is based on my own experience uh, being a pastor's kid, the experience of friends who have grown up as PKs, raising our own PKs. And you'll notice that a lot of what's in this list uh, intertwines life and uh, ministry, home life and ministry life. 
and it, it, inter- it brings together uh, the unique challenges and blessings of recognizing those, but also showing how can I keep these uh, with less tension and just do them together. So what does this look like? Number one, include your kids in your ministry. So how might you do that? Well, if you are a youth minister, this might look like bringing your kids to some of the social events that you have. I'm sure many of you already do that. I know sometimes this can be an an enormous pain, but it does help your kids be a part of your ministry so that you're not separating the two. It allows teens uh, who who you minister to to become a, a little part of your family. And that's beneficial for them as well. It's okay to let our young kids stay up a little bit later sometimes. What this does is it fights that tension that sometimes exists and instead allows our kids to be a part of our ministry. So when I was younger, my dad did this by um, uh, bringing us along to hospital visits when it was appropriate. Right. If, if there was a, um, someone who was visiting who had a new baby and we knew them well, he'd say, is it OK if my daughter comes with me? And, and if they were OK with it, I'd come. And I remember to this day, I can stand here and remember watching him pray over a young mom. And I just stand in the corner. I was, of course, just intrigued by seeing a little baby. But it made an impression on me. And I also thought it was cool to see what my dad did, you know. Just watching him pray for someone. I remember that. So it wasn't that he just left the house every time. Sometimes he brought us along. Another way that you could implement this, ask your kids to pray for specific people who have requests, as long as they're, of course, not confidential. Or ask them to pray for an unbeliever that you're ministering to. Praying for these things together uh, brings ministry and family life together rather than keeping them in tension. You are bringing them into your ministry when they are praying alongside of you. Whether it's a series that you're teaching that you ask for prayer for or a particular situation or a person that you're ministering to, ask them to pray with you. Uh, a last example of this, incorporate your child's giftedness into, into your ministry. That's a way to involve them in it. So, for example, if you're doing a series, uh, teaching a series, and you have a little artist, ask them to draw a picture uh, of, of something that represents what you're teaching and then hang it up on your, on your wall in the youth room. Youth kids will get a kick out of it, but your younger kids especially will see that and, that, and that says something to them about the fact that you are using them in their, in, in your ministry. And that has a, that has a big impact. As we grew, uh, my dad did this by incorporating us into the worship services. Uh, I, I'm a worship director. He saw some of that um, music uh, inclination in both me and my younger sister. Uh, at one point, he even asked uh, my sister to write uh, the, the the theme song for our Advent one year. And what that did for her confidence as a, you know, 14-year-old to write the lyrics to a song because my dad asked me and you're going to use it in the service, it was huge. But it was also how, his way of bringing us into the ministry because it meant sitting down and saying, here's what I'm going to be talking about this Advent. Here's what that means. Here's how your song can make a difference. 
So bring the kids into your ministry. When you're incorporating them, it keeps our kids from thinking that it's ministry versus time with mom and dad all the time. And instead, intertwining them in healthy ways can be beneficial. Number two, be their parent and not just their pastor parent. So your kids need goofy dad, um, the, the, the dad who does not always wear the burdens of ministry on their back. And I, I know this is difficult, especially with some of the weighty issues that you deal with. I remember my husband used to play a game with our kids, can't get past daddy. And they'd be crawling on the floor, you know, trying to get past him. And he'd, you know, try to um, stop him in whatever way they could. And, and my kids loved it. They'd just squeal and have a great time. Your kids need to see that side of you. Even, I should say, even after dealing with some of the heavy issues that happen. So letting loose with them is important because our kids need to see that there's a side of mom and dad that only they really know, right? This is my, this is my dad. I do that goofy. We do that goofy game. That's not something that, 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 that everyone gets to share with. And when it comes to their spirituality, they don't need you to just wear the pastor hat and have all the answers all the time. Sometimes it's okay just to, to listen, to dialogue. They need to know that it's okay to say, I don't know, even from our, our ministry parents. Um, my, my dad used to read Proverbs for devotions when we were teens. He'd read a proverb and ask us, just what do you think it means? So at one point, I turned the tables on my dad, and I, I read some obscure proverb. I think the one you know, there's a, the ring in the snout. I don't know. Something like that. And I said, you tell me what that means, Dad. And you know what he did? He looked at me, and he said, I have no idea. Let's figure it out together. And I still remember that. You know? He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Okay. You have to study. What? Yeah. And we did. We figured it out together. So you don't always have to have the answers. That's not going to produce some kind of um, steady, fast uh, spirituality. Instead, even admitting, sometimes I don't. Let's talk about it. Has an impact. Number three, and this is more for spouses of ministry leaders. So if you are married to someone uh, who is a ministry leader, here's how I'd encourage you. Be a lover of the church. So when you're married to someone in ministry, your pastor's kids need to see that you also sincerely love God's people and love his church. If you're constantly complaining about the number of events, the needy teenagers, right, whatever it might be, your kids are going to catch on to that attitude toward the church. And you don't want to become bitter about the call either. In fact, if you feel like you're going in that direction, now is the time to start thinking creatively about how you and your spouse can work together to figure out how you can both find joy and satisfaction in ministry. And I know people who are here this weekend would be more than delighted to have those conversations. But we need to be a lover of the church. Our kids catch on to that attitude uh, as much uh, as they do in the, the ministry leader who is paid by the church as they do in the, the person who attends because they, they want to, because they love it. Number four, the church should not always trump our kids' activities, and our kids' activities cannot always trump 
church responsibilities. Get it? Got it? Good? We got it figured out? <laughs> Balance. Balance. I touched on this a little bit um, in my own childhood, but I, I cannot tell you how helpful it was. And I didn't know this at the time, that my parents were not at every single game or every single event that my sisters and I were involved with. If they had been, their ministry would have suffered. If they missed most of our extracurricular activities, our relationship would have been strained. So they made many, but they didn't make all. So when they were present, they'd be there. They'd be actively involved in what was going on, whatever it is, shouting, screaming, embarrassing me like there was no tomorrow, you know, at a game or whatever. When they were not able to be there, they did make a point to go uh, before or after and talk to us about what was upcoming or what happened. So tell me about it. How was play practice? No matter what the hour. It's just important that there's a balance. And we have felt this uh, tension and the importance of the balance. Uh, my husband and I cannot make every single uh, event or game. You know that too. You can't. There's a lot of evening commitments in ministries, the reality of the job. You just, you need to find for your family, what, what's the right balance? I can't go too far on one side, too far on the other. One will suffer. And you, I think, can begin to feel when, the, when it's going too far in one direction. Pray for wisdom in that area. Number five, trust the Lord in the path that he has your child on. So there has to be room for our kids to grow, uh, to grow through their questions and their doubts, even though we're in the ministry. So just because your kids have doubts, just because they have big questions, does not mean that you are a failure, and it doesn't mean you should quit your calling in ministry. Um, we've heard this concern from other pastors and ministry uh, leaders, but our kids, again, our kids are not saved by the church I said that earlier, they're saved by God's grace alone. If we believe that, then one of the ways that we teach them about this grace is by listening to their questions, by really listening, and by leaving space for them to wrestle through issues. So there's a temptation, I think, sometimes to become defensive when we hear questions that sound like doubts, because our minds go to, uh, oh no, oh no, oh my gosh, what if they rebel? What if, you know... What if they don't want to come to church anymore? What if, what if, what if? This is my job in ministry. Cameron mentioned this a little bit last night. What if, what if, what if, right? Our doubts, um, our doubts, uh, because of their doubts, uh, lead to an anxious feel in the home. I think that's what we want to try to avoid. Here's the thing. It, it was my doubts in high school that led me to the Lord. My freshman year, I'd been questioning with, is all this Christian stuff really true? Do I believe what my parents say? I wanted something tangible. That was the, that's the way that my mind worked. Like, Lord, if, the, if you are really real, put a horse right here in the, in the room. And I had good youth leaders who, who came uh, alongside me and, and answered some of those questions and said when there were none, I don't know, but let's look in God's word. Let's experience him together and see what the scripture says. My, past, uh, my pastor father, uh, when I brought these doubts to him, and this was not long before this trip where I gave my life to the Lord, 
He did not try to answer every single question, nor did he make me feel like uh, there was an issue with asking or doubting or being frustrated by some of it. Instead, he listened, did not say a word, and then prayed. So let's pray. Let's pray about this and let's ask the Lord to reveal himself to you if he's true. And let's talk about it in a few weeks. And by the grace of God, on this retreat a few weeks later, he revealed himself to me. I gave my life to Jesus and I was able to say to my dad, God did something. So trust that the Lord is doing his work in your kid's life. It this is something I struggle with immensely. If they seem like they're going one path, I got to control that. I got to bring you back because that can't be, that can't be. But most of us in here can acknowledge the fact that our own testimonies, our own growing toward and leaning into Jesus come through and because of times of either suffering or doubt or questioning, it's how the Lord works. So we have to trust the Lord as he is doing his work in our kids' lives. We can't make them believe with eloquent answers to everything. It's the spirit who's working in our kids' hearts. So praying for them and praying for your own heart to have the ability to trust goes a long way. Number six, be honest about your inconsistencies. We cannot preach or teach one thing, whether it's to adults or youth, and then act totally different when we're at home. This is hard, right? This is, the, this is a, a constant battle for those who are in ministry. It's why we need to be re- relying on God's grace every single day, every single time we stand up to do anything, but by your grace, Lord, help me work through my feeble words. But the Lord has given you his spirit. He asked him to help you in the areas where you struggle to be consistent. My husband and I have commented many times uh, on our inconsistency in the area of evangelism. I should speak for myself mostly. Uh, We teach it. We preach it. I talk about it. I write about it. I do a lot of writing for Rooted. Oh, I write about it. But I have not been good at doing it. It is okay, and I would say it's even right, to admit to your child the areas in which you tend to struggle being consistent. In fact, I wrote an article a couple years back on this exact topic, evangelizing to your kids' non-Christian friends. And I said to my son at one point, I just have to tell you, I have not done a good job of of." understanding who your friends are who don't know Jesus. I I apologize for that. I'm working on that. I'm trying to understand how to do that better. So acknowledge the places where, where we struggle and tend to not be consistent. Ask for prayer. Pray about it together. But just don't, don't be afraid to do that. It's important that our kids see and hear that we are striving by God's grace to, to follow through these things in our personal lives, but to also say, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. You see me uh, talk and preach, but there are ways that I struggle. And again, per Cameron's talk last night, thanks be to God for his grace. 
Our kids need to see that from our own experience. And the last thing I'd say, I started with this. Our kids need to see us love Jesus with our whole heart. It's so important. So it's not, it's not just about fulfilling your responsibilities in the, these two significant spheres of life. It's about loving Jesus with all of you. That should be the ultimate priority because that love then is poured over into your ministry, enabling you to do what God has called you to do in ministering to youth or to adults. And then that love is poured over into your parenting, enabling you to love the children that he's given you. So make sure that you're taking the time that is needed to grow in your relationship with Jesus. It means being here on a weekend like this, right? Already thinking uh, futuristic. What is a weekend uh, for Rooted next year? It means maybe taking a seminary class just for the sake of, of, of learning and soaking in new things about Jesus, new things about who he is. It, it means maybe uh, d- joining a, a discipleship group uh, where you are being fed. That's the key. How are you being fed in order to grow in your relationship with Jesus so that you can effectively love and serve those who God has called you to love and serve? Your time growing in your love for Jesus will strengthen your own relationship with your kids. It'll strengthen your relationship with your church members. It'll strengthen your relationship with your youth kids. Our relationship with Jesus naturally affects every single area of our life. He is the single most important relationship that we have. And so that relationship needs to be cultivated on a daily basis. And here's what's beautiful. He will fill you as you grow in your love for him. He will give you what is needed to do what he's asked you to do. He will help you by providing wisdom. James tells us this. uh, Anytime you ask, by providing strength that you need when it comes to finding this balance between uh, parenting and ministry, he will give you wisdom. He will do that. I'm going to uh, pray just for our kids briefly for a few minutes now, and then uh, spend a few times, uh, a few minutes, uh, just answering questions, dialoguing a little bit. I might ask my husband to join in that, um, and then um, we'll break. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for the time uh, that you've given us today. I I thank you for the kids represented in this room, Lord. You have been gracious in giving these gifts to us. Lord, it's not easy to parent. It's certainly not easy to be involved in ministry, but you've called us to these things, Lord. So I pray that you would give us the wisdom needed to do what you've called us to do. I pray that you would show us how we can love our kids. Lord, I pray that you would show us um, how we can better involve them in our ministry. Lord, ultimately, I pray that you would show us how we can grow in our relationship with you. I pray that this weekend you would encourage the hearts of these dear sisters and brothers, Lord, that they would leave refreshed and renewed and ready to serve. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right. So questions. I'd love to hear a little bit about your own experiences, even in ministry, things, things that you have learned um, when it comes to uh, finding the balance between parenting and doing ministry life. Um, if you have something in particular you'd like to share, I think that would be helpful, beneficial, um, or questions. Um, we can just chat for a couple of minutes. How many in here um, have younger kids, maybe 12 and under? Okay. Okay. And then teenagers? Okay. All right. Um, those of you with uh, younger kids, have you found this uh, difficult to... What's the greatest, I guess I should ask this, what's the greatest tension that you feel, especially with the younger kids? Time. Like, am I going to go to this sporting event or, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think including the kids in the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, my son's in the youth ministry now for the first time. I've been there seven years and just as in the sixth grade. Okay. And after the first night of youth group, I asked him what was his favorite thing. And he said that. You weren't going to, that I got to go with you. Wow. So. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's great and heartbreaking. (laughs) Are you the, are you the, um, are, oh, cause he was saying that he was glad you weren't going. No, that that he got to go with me. Like, oh, I see. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So are you the lead youth pastor? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, so that that's going to be interesting. Anyone else in here close to having kids in their youth ministry? Okay, yeah. ha, are they in? It's hard. The challenge is how well it connects with the other kids in the church. Sure. I'm very. I minister at the church up the city, so I followed it because I chose the church. Sure. Um, I like Sunday week as well, but you know, they they didn't. So, yeah, there's some differences in the way personality, um, interests that they're into, yeah, versus yeah. like the rest of the kids in the church, yeah. Um, so that's the like all the that's a tension that they get by us trying to figure out my, my wife and I, yes, figure out how to resolve, right? I'm not sure exactly how well they, they connect with the other kids in the church, yeah, that's hard, yeah. Uh, we battled, um, so we, our church is, uh, a smaller church, about 250-ish. Uh, and so as our youth group, uh, was gaining momentum and still very small, uh, that was a challenge getting our kids to go. And then even once it was established, we, one of our kids in particular became really resistant, uh, to going, it's hard, especially, you know, as uh, the, I, I work at the church now. I didn't before, but, you know, as a senior pastor, as a staff member at the church, uh, what do you do with that? Um, it's, it's, it's a challenge. I, I wouldn't say you release the uh, responsibility entirely. We have seen parents say, okay, if they don't want to go, I'm not going to make them go because this is like, a, it's a spiritual thing. I don't want, you know, I don't want them to feel like that's a negative. But we would say that w- 
what you're doing is building a life liturgy for them while they're still living in your house, right? You're, you're setting for them the patterns that you believe are important to be a daily part of, of the week. Now, when they get older toward launching, that's when you might say, I'm going to release that and see what they do. So um, senior year especially, because it's easier to have the conversations about why they aren't attending if they don't go while they're still in your home than once they've left and gone to college and established new routines. So making them go, well, we do, we make our kids do things all the time, whether it's going to school, following through on a sports team, right? When halfway through the season, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. We, we say, you know, you've committed. We're going to follow through with this. So it is not, uh, it's not an, uh, completely out of the, you know, um, question to say, yes, make your child go with you. That is something our family is doing and just pray for the Lord's work. But we, we, we had many, many times of prayer once our kids would go out the door for youth group. Lord, please just something <laughs> soften their hearts, send a friend, make them have ice cream tonight. I don't know, you know, just something. And and, uh, and and my oldest is a junior in college. She's very involved in her church. Uh, my son just left for college. That has yet to be seen. Um, he's not been consistent. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's too early on to to assess that. Um, but it it's it's a challenge, and I would imagine even uniquely to have you know some there. Hopefully, you have other youth leaders who can also pour into, um, to assist you in that, you know, to pour into, um, your kids as they grow up in, in your youth group. I have a question. Um, if you have thoughts on like if a kid potentially attending a different youth group than a church, um, our particular yeah. situation right now is we're members of a large church this semester we're helping serve at a very small church with an almost non-existent youth group. Yeah. Our sixth grader just started youth group, you know, yeah. at the big sure. church. We're yes. transitioning. Do we, yes. He has a willing heart. Do we make him transition with us and right. be at this tiny church? Right. Do we let him cross over? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, that's a great question. And, um, I, I might ask my husband to jump in on this, too, because I know he's answered this question for several people before, including our own leaders in our church, right, whose kids want to go to a different youth group. The, the one thing that I'd uh, say is this, um, per a conversation that I just had with a college friend um, who was trying different youth groups besides their own, uh, what we aim by God's grace, is to teach our kids that our involvement in our church is not just about what we get out of it, right? We we are committing to a body of believers um, as, as our family, and in any family unit, you are there to contribute. So while, you know, my daughter is at home receiving the blessings of, you know, being the only kid at home <laughs> and all the, you know, she gets to choose a lot of the meals now, right? She, she gets the blessings of that, but she has to contribute too. So there are expectations that you're going to, you know, switch over the laundry, you're going to clean your room, you're going to whatever it is. And so um, one of the things that we want to make sure that we're instilling in our kids is that our involvement in the church is, is, uh, is to serve and uh, to be a part of a body uh, who needs us. 
it, it feels uh, strange sometimes for a kid to think in that way. But when you're not there, someone's missing you. You know, the, the, the youth leader, maybe uh, because he's prepared a really good lesson and, and, you know, only two kids came. He misses the other six kids if it's a small group, right? You're missed when you're not there. Your buddy who you sit next to, it misses you when you're not there. Um, so you're contributing something just by being a part of the family that God has called you to be. There are unique circumstances, though, um, where it might be that for a time they go elsewhere. What would you add? I know you've talked to several about think, this uh, issue. The more mature their faith, the more I might be tempted to ask them to come with you. The less mature their faith more I might be willing to let them go to a church where they were responding. Because the the thing is, we're we're not about converting our kids to church. We're about making sure our kids are Jesus followers. And if that church isn't preaching Jesus, that's more important. That's one of those moments. But again, if they're more mature in their faith, then you can appeal to them about being a part of the ministry process and helping this church. They might actually enjoy mm. that, but if they're just not there yet, mm. I think I might say, you know, I'd love for you to come, and we want you to still try to come, but I'm willing to let you mm-hmm. come there. Especially because being fed somewhere, right, mm-hmm. is is what's mm-hmm. is what's important. Um, that's that's hard, I know, especially when when you're in leadership. Um, it's a tough issue. So, so my, I was we were on a mission field for years, so our kids kind of grew up. Most yeah. of their lives are MKs. Yeah. So now they're PKs mm-hmm. for the last. But all, everything you're talking about is even, kind of even a little more intense, I think, on the. There's no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's not even a line to blur. Right. Just people knock on the door. It just says what it is, right? right? Yeah. But I think what we learned, and so now, now I'm an executive pastor, so I oversee all of our student mm-hmm. ministry people. And what I learned there is, and when you talk about be their parent, mm-hmm. take vacations, mm-hmm. like break. And mm-hmm. so now we make all of our student pastors, did you use all your vacations Good. here? Why not? Good. You know, like, get away. And that helps us show our kids, like, oh, yeah, I'm important. That's very, very helpful. I appreciate that. Yeah, Yeah, and and, um, take breaks. I am not good at this, okay? I'm not going to look at him because I'm not good at this. (laughs) Take breaks fully and completely. He is good at that. I mean, when he leaves, they know you do not contact. I mean, he's unavailable. Um, and that does that, that reorients the family time. Um, and it, and it reminds our children. I appreciate those words that they are, they are more important ultimately. Right. Oh, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say Yeah, they are. I mean, that, that, that they need and deserve your undivided attention. And, and times like that are times to say, I love you, yeah. and I'm here because we want to be together as a family. So we, we all joke. It's like when, when you die, people are going to mourn, and then they're going to go to the fellowship hall and eat potato salad. So, <laughs> people are going to miss you. are not going to miss you as much as you think they will. But yeah. you know, that's right. Family. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, that is. That is. Yeah. That's one of those that you need. It's important. I mean, you talk to your senior pastor. If you're not the senior pastor, 
Yeah. Um, and if you already think you're asking to talk to the elder or yeah. denomination. Yes, 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 sure. But um, it's like the work schedule yeah. is, you know, the previous senior pastors, like you're in the office till eight to five. Yeah. And, and I got work. I mean, the pandemic forced this in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but I just work at home like, a lot. Yeah. Um, I work at home. And then I, I, I just work flexible hours. I mean, yes. I would get up and I'll answer emails half an hour before they get up. And then, or I'll, I'll work when, you know, they're at practice sometimes or something like that. But, like that way, I I'm free when they get off school. Yeah, you know, and then I have that, to, and then other times, like I, I mean, I only pretty much go in for thought, but like for meetings. Yes, you yeah, know? and the meetings I do a lot of times are things when they're in school. You know, so they they allows me to have that maximum amount of time. You yes, know? and if, if I'm not, I don't need to be there. I'm with them. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I don't know how everyone's senior pastor or yeah presbytery. Yeah. Wow. Well, and, and ministry, and we can all yeah. attest to this, is it's hard to like log out. Like it's so, you know, when someone, what do you do all day? Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to like <laughs> begin. And every day is very different. How, in your experience being a senior pastor, also a youth minister, did that relationship help um, when it comes to having the kids own? I'm not sure. Like how, so you're relate. So as uh, a senior pastor, how do you interact with the youth pastor um, in, in kind of understanding what the schedule is and what needs there are when it comes to family life, that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, I, I have what I call the rule of sixths. There's three meals a day that you couldn't eat with people. And then there's three portions of the day. There's the, there's the, the morning, the afternoon, and the evening, and I tell our people don't work more than three of those six. And if they have to shift one day, it might be you're working an evening shift, but you need to be gone in the afternoon from church. So that's what I try to enforce in our staff. And then one big plug for Google. Has, has anybody heard of Google? <laughs> so forget a Google phone number, and you can turn it off. Have your own cell phone that you give to certain people, friends, your senior pastor or whatever, but give the Google phone number to the other people because you can turn it off when you're gone. And it sends an automatic response. I think texting is was one of the most difficult things to untwine, yeah. unentangle myself from as a pastor. And our youth pastor is probably even more so because mm. kids are so super engaged in social media and the phone and when are the on where are the on and off buttons? And uh, when you take a call, make sure you talk to the lead pastor about what the expectations are very specifically. Yeah, that's what, and I, in light of that, it sounds like what you're saying. I think the key there is just making sure that there's good communication. Um, Some of them aren't good at it either, by the that's way. That's true. So if yeah. they're not good at it, then they're just going to. Yeah. I just hired a new assistant, and he keeps texting me on my day off, and, I, and I'm going to be having a conversation with him and saying, Brother, I love you so much. <laughs> Stop texting me on my day off. Yeah. And I'm not going to text you on your day off either, mm-hmm. unless it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's not an emergency to know what the sign in is for this account, you know, or something. So, okay. yeah, that's that's great. That's good. Yeah. I mean, they really need the, you know. Right. Right. Especially if you're taking time off or with the kids or whatever, they'll figure it out. 
Yeah, I thought you were going to be like, I mean, if you're in the university, I'm going to call 911. I'm not an EMT, I'm not a you know, yeah. doctor, and like, I mean, you know, right. it's not specific, it's right. not timely, like, yeah. I can't help Yeah. Yeah. I have a 16-year-old and a 2-year-old, <laughs> so it's been interesting. Toddlers and teenagers have a lot of the same temper tantrums. <laughs> 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 Parallel. Um, but this season, what I've learned, true. So true. when we said that we have to make our kids feel special and like they're number one, this last year, my oldest is adopted and he was an older adopted mm-hmm. child. And I have learned I was not ministering to him in my home like I mm-hmm. would the kids and youth. I was treating him differently and having different expectations, but what he needed was what I would treat a stranger kid from youth, not a parent type perspective. So stepping back and utilizing the body of Christ to come in and surround him and not having different expectations because he is my kid um, has just been phenomenal. Like if I had a youth teen that I was ministering to, I would find these resources for them and I would trust them, mm. guide them. And so to take that step back and do that with him and let him use those use those resources in the church, the other pastors, the other, you know, mentors and, you know, just kind of let him find his own way in yeah. that realm has just really been helpful. Yeah. That's such a good word. That's so, that's so true. And it's really easy to um, look at our kids and forget that they're the ones that I just ministered to two hours later who are struggling. And what do we want to do? We want to dive into that, right? I want to come alongside you. But we instill it fear surfaces when it's our child. And so all of our idols all of a sudden, you know, um, surface and, and we react very differently when it's our own child. So I think that's a, that's such a good word. That's good. It's such a conviction this last year. He's not mine. He's God's like, I'm supposed to be shepherding him. That's right. And whatever and whoever can help with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pushing our, our kids to talk to other, you know, youth leaders and Hey, maybe see if so-and-so will, um, you know, get coffee or something like that. So they have another outlet, um, of places to ask questions and raise, you know, doubts or whatever it might be. Yeah. It's good when it's not coming from mom. Right. Oh, Oh, I mean, we've experienced so many times, even my oldest um, in college, she'll call home and be like, hey, guys, and tell us, I'm like, literally, we've told you that for 21 years. (laughs) But whatever, if you needed to hear it from them, then then so be it. But um, that's right. That's true. Sometimes they hear it a lot better. Were you going to say something? I was, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you guys have like any, like, I don't know, regular non-structured you know just parent and kid time like something that they will that that is scheduled almost but it's just you you know almost like just investing in that relationship with them i don't know from your experience with having kids that are grown yeah yeah um he did a much better job with that uh taking them out uh, for meals one-on-one, um, than I did. I, I, I think that is an important, um, 
and bu- building it into your schedule, right? To say next Wednesday, we're going to go and I'll take you out of school and we're just going to have lunch, you know, not for the purpose necessarily of right. saying anything, but just right. time together. Um, I do think that's important. I think um, you need to schedule that in like you would any other significant um you know, event or get together with, you know, ministry people, um, you're ministering to your kids in the same way that you're ministering to, to the people in your, in your church. And in the same way that you would set aside time to, you know, ask about certain things going on in their lives, our kids need the same thing from us. So it, we do have to be intentional um, about that. I think the vacations comes in to play uh, with that as well. Just time set aside that is just for, just for the family. Um, I used to do along with hospital visits. Uh, my dad at Christmas time would, um, my mom would put together just a little gift things for uh, some of the leadership in our church and he would go deliver them. And each Christmas he would bring a different one of us. So, oh, and as a young kid like that, you know, it was time with dad, which was cool. Um, as I got a little bit older, I liked that we were doing something. We were doing something. And, you know, so it would be the drive in the car, which kids tend to talk more in the car. If you haven't already noticed that. And when they get older late at night, huh, for the love of Pete, but anyway, um, the, that car time when you're just like this, for some reason they'll talk more. Right. Um, and so he made use of that time and then you know delivering the gift we're serving together we're ministering together just be a quick conversation come back in the car maybe i'd have a question about why is that family this or that you know and there were things to talk about it so anyway yes and now that i'm grown i see he was deliberate about that mm-hmm. i didn't know that as a kid as a kid it was just my turn to go mm-hmm. for, for i would time. say too though that each of your kids are different and our oldest probably would have jived with that yes more and our youngest the two girls the middle is the son middle child he didn't jive with that no. mentality, so I no. had to be more intentional yeah. about mm-hmm. identifying things to do with him, right. take him out, take him places mm-hmm. that weren't ministry things. Mm-hmm. Right. He just needed more of me mm-hmm. than he did joining in. So I think you do have to be sensitive to each of your kids' personality. Yeah, that's such a good point. That's where the not everything fits every kid, right? We got to know the differing what what is where our kids are, and uh, what's going to reach them best. I mean, there's so, I mean, there's so many ways, to, different ways to talk about this, but that's good. That's important. Yeah. Uh, and I get with all the differences of different kids and different time periods and different circumstances, I know this is a hard one, but like, have you seen, or how would, how do you navigate when your kids start receiving grief because of who their parents are? Hmm. Like, you know, we don't like you know, oh, your dad's a pastor, or your right. mom's a worship leader, like, right. and, you know, stereotype of the church, stereotype of the sure. church, stereotype of the church, you. Yes. Can you, because you get that as low as elementary school. Yeah. So I was told by a guy that I liked in high school, um, we were walking around, I think it might've even been on a youth group retreat. I can't remember exactly, but he said to me, uh, you know, no one's ever going to date you because you're a pastor's kid. And I was like, Oh, snap. <laughs> I didn't even know what to do with that. Um, it, th- <laughs> that's hard. I, I, I don't know how to answer that question um, in what I've seen from my own kids because I don't know that they've felt a lot, that they mm. particular have felt a lot of that. And there's a few unique reasons for that. Um, my <laughs> middle child, I don't think, would tell people that we were 
involved in ministry. Um, maybe, I mean, maybe, I, but he wouldn't get into a deep enough conversation about what we did. Um, he had mostly non-Christian friends. Most, in fact, mostly. yeah, mostly. Um, my oldest, um, I, I don't think would be hesitant and wasn't, but she was also just very ingrained. She went to a Christian school. Um, he went to public school. So different, you know, uh, she, she pretty was okay going to church pretty regular. I mean, so she also, her circle wasn't one that would necessarily make a comment, uh, maybe a snide comment, but I, I didn't hear anything like that. Um, and my youngest, I don't know where we'll still see what, what happens, uh, what happens with that. Um, the, the benefit of growing up in the church is that you are surrounded by people who show love to you um, and the congregants will love your kids, Lord willing. And so hopefully that will kind of um, push against any kind of comments that they might hear from time to time. Um, I remember after this guy said this to me, as I was a freshman when he said this, I I I told one of my uh, youth leaders about it. She was so dear, and she just looked at me and she said, "He's dumb." You know, it was just it was all I, you know. But but I did feel comfortable enough to to tell her that, you know. So it's kind of just pushing against what you you know that weird. If you feel like they're making fun of you for this, or um, I also heard comments like, oh my gosh, you're at church all the time, you know, because I wouldn't be able to go to this because we'd have a uh, youth group event or whatever it was. And, and um, that felt, that felt weird. That was hard. And then I would start making up things like, I, oh, I have a concert just because I started being, getting embarrassed by it. Um, that diminished um, the more I grew uh, to invest t- my own time in, in the church. I mean, just maturity, really. Um, I, I don't know that you can avoid it. I don't know. Would you add anything? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know, the younger they are, the harder it is going to be to talk about that because they don't have the maturity level. But if they're a teenager, I, I think I would try to show them that Jesus said this would happen. That's and, true. And engage them in what they, how they think and feel about it. Yeah. And yeah, especially if they tell you, just like, oh, yeah, well. It, it does set up for them a pretty stark contrast the way the world is and the way the church is, too. Yeah. It actually might say, you know, yeah, the people at church are, they're happy they receive me. Yeah. The world don't. But if they're seeing and experiencing your ministry, even glimpses of it in a in a positive way, like if they like the youth kids that you're around, then then the, they may the tendency will be to respond to that, to push back, to say, "Oh, my dad's job's cool," you know, like you don't know what you're talking about. They'll have that you know innate sense to say whatever. Um, if they, the more they view it as a negative, like he's always over here and I don't even know what he does, the harder it's going to be to, um, to, to resist that if it comes their way. I don't think it always does, but yeah. I know we've talked a lot about our schedules, mm-hmm. um, but as our kids age, yes. what about their yes. schedules? So yes. I mean, there's, there's, you know, I mean, my kid plays sports. Yes. There's probably a lot of our kids yeah. doing this yep. band and then there's other right. activities like it. You know, some of the games have been on Sunday morning. Yes. You know, and then we've had to make judgment calls yep. for some of these too. And I'm just curious, like, you know, mm-hmm. how did you handle that? Yes. <laughs> um, 
I have so many thoughts. I, I, I wrote a couple articles, um, regarding this, uh, briefly, cause I know we need to break here. Um, let me just talk first specifically to the Sunday morning commitments. In one sense, it's a blessing that we we are we work for a church, right? So there's just not some I'm, there's just not a, a a choice. It's not like we can go and miss three out of the four weeks because of a, a tournament. That just is 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 not going to happen. But also, we have the opportunity to say to our kids, uh, "This that's important, but this is even more important." But you have to believe that. And you have to know why you're saying that um, in order to teach our kids, why do we do this crazy thing every single Sunday morning when most of the world is playing baseball at at 8 a.m. or sleeping or whatever it is? You have to believe in the importance of it. Um, Explain to them uh, we're, we're not going to miss most Sundays. Now, we also can't be legalistic about it. And say so we will never miss. I mean, I, I I'm a runner, and so I I've uh, you know done marathons. They're all on Sunday mornings, and so I can't say to my kid, "You will never," and then I'm going to go and run a race. So it, there has to be some flexibility there. But for the most part, um, if we consistently miss worship for something else, we are speaking, whether we're verbally saying it or not, that that is more important than worship. And it's not. That's hard. And it's harder in this culture. It might even mean a kid not being on a team. I'm fully aware of that. Um, My son did not run any of his cross-country, right? I don't think any of his cross-country meets. He only practiced because they were all Sunday morning during worship. It was a, a decision we made. Yeah. yeah I, I would say that, like there, there's a difference too between your kid understanding like why do we always have to be there on Sunday at dad's job? Yes. Versus why that's right. That's right. That's right. That's why you gotta believe it. It's not yeah. just your it's own. Like it's not my job. That's it's like right. I'm gathering with the faithful, just like that's right. Else Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the tone we set sets tone for yeah. the church. Yeah. And I, I think the Sunday sports thing is is one of the devil's most ingenious mm-hmm. schemes to undermine the kingdom of God. <laughs> when you can start breaking down church and the youth pastors experience it all the time. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah. Sure. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's hard. It's hard. And for a season when your kids are in that, you know, eight, nine to, you know, till they're driving. Oh gosh. It just is crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's just that's life. Um, and so it, it maybe some of the encouragement is knowing it doesn't always, won't always keep that pace, right? Um, but for a time, it's just going to be, um, yes, making their schedule a priority as much as possible, but also when appropriate to say, I can't be at that because there are other things important. In fact, it's kids, it's important for your kids to see not only that you are prioritized ministering, but that you have friendships that you and dad and go on dates and you can't do that and successfully be every single thing that happens. And so that's not unhealthy for our kids to see. Um, uh, anyway, but yes, it, it it's hard. It's hard. Were, were you going to add? Yeah, I'm just going to add in general, and as we probably need to. Yes, we do. But um, just a testimony. I, I 
I was terrified when my kids entered my ministry, and I, I thought, okay, surely the Lord has something else for me now. Now is the time when I, right off into the youth ministry sunset, because that's just too weird. And Go eat potato salad. Yeah. And uh, and, I can't, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to do this now. And it's been awesome. That's so cool. I have loved it. That's encouraging. It's been different. I've had to, you know, do some things. My ministry has looked a little bit. There have been times when we've had fewer kids over to our house just because it's we have to sort of honor the fact that, Dad, it's weird that you're having such and such over. I don't sure. know. I'm sort of honoring yes. that. Okay, yeah. We, so we're, we just do less of that. Yes. Rely on others to do it. But I'm about to be out of it now. And it's, uh, you know, it's like I've, I've gotten all four of my kids through the ministry. Wow. I would say it's been one of the great privileges of my life to be able to be my kid, be the pastor. So That's I was terrified cool. of it, and it's been a gift that's so. very cool awesome book uh i know that's right here it just just talk to him afterward about it <laughs> i think that's awesome praise god for that yeah uh let me pray for lunch and um and we can be dismissed lord thank you again for this time thank you um for these sisters and brothers i do pray for their ministries lord that you continue to work in their hearts as they minister to others and for our kids, Lord. I just pray that you would um, reveal yourself to them, Lord, continue to work in each of their hearts as they grow in knowledge and understanding of you, and we trust you in that. We trust you in the path, Lord, that you have them on. Uh, bless this food to our bodies and continue to lead us as we um, make our way this, this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. If you love the conversations we're having here on this podcast, then mark your calendars to join us this November in person at the Rooted 2023 conference in Nashville, Tennessee. We have an entire three-day track for parents, as well as a single-day ticket if you can only join us for Saturday. We'll have main session speakers like Trillian Newbell and Kelly Capick, as well as fantastic workshops from Sissy Goff and music led by Sandra McCracken, the Lipscomb University Gospel Choir, and more. Join us today at rootedministry.com slash conference or click the link in the show notes. Don't forget to sign up before September 15th before prices increase. Again, that's rootedministry.com slash conference.